The reading this morning is taken from the book of Genesis. There are two sections, 12 to 16 and then 23 and 24. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. From there, from there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant David. Sorry, for the sake of my servant Abraham. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Trish. Um, Kids, if you want to grab uh, bigger pieces of paper to do those drawings or write down a whole bunch of words, come and feel free to do that now. Um, there's t- paper up here, there's other pens and crayons, more paper here, so feel free to do that now. All right, so Genesis chapter 26. These two passages. As uh, you'd be aware of, we're looking at um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then we're going to jump into some other the, the heroes from the Old Testament. Nat did a great job on Abraham last week and gave us a a great picture of Abraham and Isaac at the sacrifice and then God the Father and Jesus the Son on his sacrifice at the cross. So to start off here, who do you say God is? Anyone, throw some names at me. Who do you say God is? Father. Father. Okay, we've got a whole bunch of fathers. Excellent. I too call God the Father. And often when I pray, I'll say, Father God. See, when I was 21 years old, I went through a whole bunch of ministry about the Father heart of God. You see, I grew up in an era where a dad had three things to do. Put a roof over your head, food on your plate, and clothes on your back. And if he did those three things, check, I'm a good dad. Any dads know that? Any sons know that one? So my dad was a good dad. World War II vet, did his job. But if you want a hug, son, go and talk to your mother. She's the flowery, soppy one. All right? So that was the relationship I had. So 21 years of age, going through the father heart of God, God wanted to grab a hold of me and say, hey, I'm your father. And and in those days, as I started youth ministry, in those days, Australia was often known as the land of the long weekend and the absent father. The absent father. We were going through divorce rates through the roof at that time. In 1983, things were challenging. Um, The International Year of the Youth, uh, the Child, sorry, and child's rights from the United Nations, it changed everything. And uh, it, it just blew up big time. So God the Father, that's a big one. If you know God the Father, that's a good thing. What else do we got? God the creator, creator of all things, the one and only. Yep. What else? Almighty. Almighty. That's a very cool one. Yep. Anyone else? El should I? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of the, the Hebrew names. There's El Shaddai, Jehovah, Yahweh, um, you know, a whole bunch of them. Anyone else? Saviour. That's a good one. Ties in very well with Jesus. Anyone pray to Jesus? 
Is Jesus your God? Yeah. He is God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Although, let me challenge you. Try to teach the Trinity to a bunch of grade fives at Bradina Primary School. It's a bit hard, isn't it, JJ? Hmm. They come up with so many questions. So, Donnie, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, that's correct. So, God the Father was in heaven while Jesus was walking the earth. Correct. What was the Holy Spirit doing? Ah, uh, he was just chilling. Okay, so three gods? No, one God. Okay, so Jesus on the cross? Yes. What's the Father doing? His heart's breaking. Why didn't he rescue him? He could have. Well, why didn't he? What sort of father lets his son die on a cross? Well, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See, the Muslims think most of us Christians have three gods, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Son, we all know Jesus. What about the Holy Spirit? Do we know the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit. From the book of Acts to the book of Jude, do you know that the word Holy Spirit is used 260 times? I'm telling you, the new church, the early church, the epistles, the writings, the letters, they knew the Holy Spirit. They knew the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes us Baptists, we have a bit of a joke. Yeah, yeah, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So they're a different aspect of who God is. But in the Old Testament, who did they say God was? Who did they say? Well, at this period of time, it's a little bit dubious, although we'll hear in the reading, if you do a lot of reading about Isaac, the name of God was the God of Abraham. All right? After Isaac comes along, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And then after Jacob comes along, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, three guys, they're all right. They're not brilliant. As Nat pointed out last week, Abraham had some flaws. He was not a perfect man. He gave his wife away, not once, twice, to rulers to save his own hide. What? That's serious? You've got to remember, though, in those days, things were different. How different? I don't know. But they were very, very different so for us to judge Abraham by those things is pretty harsh. But we now come to a guy called Isaac. Now, what stories do we know about Isaac? First one that comes to mind? Abraham and Isaac. The sacrifice, the one that Nat went through last week, pitched half my sermon. But it was the story of Abraham. Isaac is the passenger in the whole story. Or is he Really? Let's go back a step. Isaac is the chosen one. Isaac is the son of promise. Ishmael is not the son of promise. Ishmael was Abraham. Oh, there's another one he did wrong. You know, his wife gave him another woman to be his wife and they got together and Ishmael was born. Ishmael becomes the father of the Islam nation, the Muslims. You know, interesting thing about Ishmael? He has 12 sons. See, the Muslims have 12 tribes as well. Interesting. You can't write this stuff way back. So Isaac is the son who's promised. Isaac is the chosen one. Isaac is the one that it's all going to come through. So you'd think he's got to be pretty special. And then God comes along and says, Abraham, I want, to take, I want you to take your one and only son. Notice that? 
He didn't have any other sons. It was Isaac. Isaac was where the promise was going to come through. I want you to take him up onto this mountain and I want you to sacrifice him, kill him. Now, to, to be fair, back in Abraham's day, that was done a lot. A lot of kings, a lot of leaders would sacrifice their children to a rock god. And I'm not meaning you know, ACDC or something. I mean a god made of rock. Okay? They'd sacrifice the kids to them so that they'd win a battle or that their wife would have kids or they'd have a good crop. So sacrificing people happened in all the different pagan religions all around Abraham at the time. So for Abraham to, to go, okay, yep, no worries, I'll go up and... My God, who's the God, who's the creator, he's going to tell me to sacrifice my child. Well, that's what the other religions do, so why not? Here we go. But Isaac is the promise. And as Nat pointed out last week, they went on a three-day journey. And I don't know how many times Isaac asked him, so, so Dad, where's the lamb? We're, we're going to sacrifice, where's the lamb? we got no lamb, Dad. Dad. Now, as Nat also pointed out, this is not a little three- to five-year-old boy. This is possibly a 14- to 16-year-old boy. Possibly. Most probably. And how old is Abraham? 114 and 16, depending on how old. Because he's 100 when Isaac was born. So this is an old man. Dave, where are you? Stand up, Dave. How old are you, Dave? 15. Right in the middle of 14 and 16. Let's say this young fella is Isaac. And let's say this old man who's half the age of Abraham is Abraham. Hey, son, I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to take you up to a mountain and kill you. How am I going to tie him up? He could take me any time. Probably outrun me. He's pretty confident. Sit down, son. Do you see the point? So what's the story with Isaac? Now, my wife is a social worker. She, she, Department of Child Safety and all that sort of stuff. Abraham would be in trouble. He certainly would be. How does Abraham explain today, uh, God told me to take my son up onto the mountain and kill him? Abraham's in the mental health world. We're meeting him now for coffee chaplaincy. He's in trouble. Do you hear what I'm saying? But what about Isaac? How does he go through that journey? How does he carry the sticks? How does he ask it? How does he get there? How does he lay on the altar? How does he look up and see his father with a great big dagger and, and, and just sit there and go, oh, this is a bit of a different day? <laughs> or, or is there the oncoming of what we call PTSD happening in Isaac? Is he stressing out? Is he now need a clinical psychologist to get through the rest of his life? What's going on with Isaac? That's that story. So I want you to think, who is this Isaac, the son of promise, who was so obedient that he went to that point? That's a, an amazing step. The son of obedience, the son of promise. The next story we hear about Isaac is when he's 40 years old. You see, his dad looks out and goes, hmm, my son's 40, probably should get married. How many of you dads, kids at home, and they're 40? Yeah, about time you got married, son. About time you left. You know, 
that racing car bed of yours is no longer good for you. <laughs> you need to get out of the house and go find a wife. But Abraham doesn't even send Isaac to go find the wife. What does he do? He sends his favorite servant to go find a wife. Now, boys, you ready? This is how they find wives back in those days. They send someone else to find them for them. Off you go. Travels all the way back to where Abraham came from because those other women, they were bad women. He didn't want to marry any of them. So back to there. And the, the servant knows God. And he cries out, the God of my father, my master, Abraham, can you help me? Can you guide me? Can I please find the right woman for my master's son, Isaac? And then he prays this prayer. The first woman that comes along with some jars and water and gives me a drink and then gives my camels a drink, she'll be your choice. Now, if I was at Bible college and I said, Lord, I'm finding a wife. The first woman that comes along and has a glass of water for me and will wash my car, she'll be the one I marry. I'll be waiting. (laughs) But this is what the servant prays. And guess what? Rebecca comes along, gives him a drink of water, and then feeds the camels, and he goes, hallelujah, I found the right one. And then he goes, talks to her brother and her sister, and they make a deal, and Rebecca goes back, and Isaiah, Isaac marries Rebecca at the age of 40. Now, how old is Rebecca? Probably 15, 16. Someone there. So that's one big thing he marries. He marries Rebecca, but that's really Rebecca's story. He's just the husband, like all modern weddings. It's all about the bride, and the groom just comes along. They get married. Then there's no kids. Heard that story before? Sarah couldn't have kids. Now Rebecca can't have kids. So they need Jesus to work in it, or they need God of Abraham to work in it. 20 years they prayed. 20 years. So Isaac's now 60 years old. And he gets twins. Esau and Jacob. Double trouble. And we'll hear about double trouble next week because that's their story. But now Isaac's tied up with the two kids. Esau, the one Isaac loved. Jacob, the one Rebecca loved. Esau, the rough and tough countryman who got out there and saw an animal and killed it. Jacob, who wouldn't look at a picture of an animal, let alone kill it, stayed at home with mum and learned how to cook all these great meals. And yet Jacob becomes the chosen one. Isaac hits a drought, so he packs everything up and he heads south. And for those of you that have been coming along with Nat on a Sunday night, Heading south means Egypt, heading down that area of town. Doesn't get all the way to Egypt, stops off with King Abimelech, king. So the reading we had today from Abimelech, he's a king. And so what does Isaac do with his wife? He does the same trick Abraham does. Hey, uh, you're beautiful and every man down here is going to want to marry you or something. So let's just pretend we're brother and sister. And you give me favour and I won't get killed. And she goes, sure. 
And then Abimelech finds out that they actually, after a period of time, not just straight away, after a period of time, he finds out that they're actually husband and wife. And he goes crazy at Isaac, says, what are you doing to me? Some of my men could have grabbed her and then that curse would have been on my nation or on me if I had have taken her. What are you doing? And then straight after that verse, we read the one that Trish read out. Can anyone remember what it says? Let me refresh your memory. So this is just after Abimelech's found out and he gives the order in verse 11, which I didn't get Trish to read out. So Abimelech gives the orders, anyone who harms this man or this or his wife shall be surely put to death. So it's a do not touch mode, right? Then Isaac planted crops in the land of that same year and reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So what happened? God blessed him. He was lying, manipulative, and God blesses him. There's no sense of rebuke. There's no sense of, well, Isaac, you probably shouldn't have done that. So you're going to have a tough year this year just to teach you the lesson. The king puts a don't touch over him and God blesses him. And he becomes a rich man, so rich, as Trish read out, that the king says, you need to leave. You're more powerful than we are as a whole nation. Do you read that? Isaac and his group are more powerful than a whole nation. God's blessing was something incredible, wasn't it? On Isaac. But he's, it's, he's only done any good because of God's blessing in his life. Do you hear the thing coming through? I don't know about you, but this sounds like messy grace. This is not simple grace. This sounds messy. How does God grab Abraham and call him the father of all and the father of faith when he did the things he did? And straight away, his son Isaac is doing the same sort of mistakes. And yet God is still doing what God does. So what's the message for you and for me? You know what? You and me are going to get it wrong. I get it wrong all the time. And uh, Annette prayed for me this morning, and it was a brilliant prayer. And um, it was from the book of Hebrews. There was a passage involved in it. And it talked about God working in and through. And I don't know about you, but whenever I go into situations, whether I go into the hospital, the football club, or the surf club, or in teaching RI... Anything that happens there, I know 100% it's when God turns up. It's when God turns up. It's not when Donnie does something or Donnie does anything in his strength. Donnie can prepare and do this and be ready to go, but it's when God turns up that something amazing takes place. And that's the same story with Isaac. Isaac bumbles along like Inspector Gadget, and yet God continues to bless him. And he's the son of promise, and he has two kids. And as we'll find out next, year, next week, he's not even a real good dad to the two kids. But he's got God's favour, and he's got God's promise. And God, in his grace, is faithful. You know that? Your God is faithful. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, whether as a young person you were tied up and made to walk three days to get ready to be sacrificed, which I don't think anyone here was, 
But whether you were or anything like that, whatever beating up that the devil put on you as a young person or in your teens or as your 20s, young adult, it's irrelevant because God is with you. And he wants to work in and through your life. It's a messy grace. It doesn't, one plus one doesn't equal two. You're sitting there going, well, hold on a sec. Don't I have to do something? Don't I have to memorize the Bible backwards? Don't I have to go to every prayer meeting that Donnie puts on? Don't I have to attend church every week? Don't I have to sing my heart out and raise my hands and do the jig when Sarah tells us to do the jig? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do as a, as a follower of Jesus? No. What you're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus is to walk in his presence. And the last verse that Trish read out was, and Isaac communed with God. And when God said, redig those wells. Now, did anyone hear the name of the place that he settled? Anyone hear it? It was Beersheba. Beersheba. Now, is Beersheba still around today? Um, Brendan, when you went over, did you see Bathsheba? Is it still around? Yes. Do those wells still work? There are wells there. There are wells there. Okay. But Bathsheba is still a place today of water. Now, I haven't been to Israel. I was talking to someone yesterday who just loves Israel. Um, I haven't been there, but they tell me it's amazing. Now, I know in, in World War I, the last charge of the light horsemen was done by a bunch of Aussies. In fact, 800 of them. And guess where it was on? It was on Beersheba because the Turks had taken it and they were holding on to it. And why did the British and Australian army need Beersheba? Water. Water. Armies without water, they ain't going nowhere in the desert. And the, the 800 light horsemen, guess what they had? Horses. They needed the water. Now... A gentleman in Australia has written a book about it and he's interviewed some of the old diggers when they were still alive. And some of the interviews of the old diggers is just hilarious. It's a 100% atypical Aussies. One guy turns around and says, yeah, mate, we turned around that corner and I saw a sign that had the Sheba blowing off it so all it said was beer this way, so I was on my way. <laughs> Another guy said, I turned around that corner and Mac, my horse... He smelt the water and he just bolted. All I did was hold on and wave my pistol to make it look like I was doing something. They took Beersheba miraculously and they got the water. Jacob's, uh, Isaac's water wells. Incredible. Amazing. The story of Isaac is more about the story of his God and how God worked in his life. For you and for me, our story is about our God. Who do you call him? Is he Jesus? Is he Holy Spirit? Is he the Father? He's the one that works in and through our lives. It is his work if we let him work. It's messy grace. None of us are worthy. None of us have done enough. As the Bible says, our best we can do is but as filthy rags. But God's grace on you and on me is incredible. I'm going to get um, Lizzie to come and do the benediction. Thanks, Lizzie.